Welcome to the B-Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm Brad Kearns, New York Times bestselling author, former number three world-ranked professional triathlete, and Guinness World Record Masters athlete. I connect with experts in diet, fitness, and personal growth and deliver short breather shows where you get simple, actionable tips to improve your life right away. Let's explore beyond the hype, hacks, shortcuts, and sciency talk to laugh, have fun, and appreciate the journey. It's time to be rad. If your blood is really thick, it can be a big, huge red flag warning sign. Hey man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainsway from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainsway providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. This is Brad's blood test recommendations for aging badass males who want to age gracefully. Yeah, I write these long emails to my friends about blood tests, whatever. And then I think, you know, I should share this and turn this into a breather show. So here it is. I put some notes together and I think this is going to be a nice recommendation for those interested in peak performance, not just disease screening through mainstream medicine, but going a little bit of the extra mile. Uh, it's so popular now, all these uh, resource laboratories where you can do some customized testing and get some consulting, uh, get some uh, online interaction to um, uh, uh, determine you know, some, some recommendations. Uh, a lot of it is on the uh, cheesy category where you go and perform an expensive test and then you get this fancy report that says 
uh, try to eat more vegetables and whole grains and uh, get some exercise and make sure you do interval training and make sure you do this and you do that. And it's kind of like they're trying, they're reaching at straws to try to give you some quote unquote customized recommendations, but it's not really that customized. And some of the expertise is pulled from uh, flawed and dated uh, health recommendations. So um, I'm not terribly impressed with what's going on, except for those consulting outfits like Merrick Health and um, uh, Inside Tracker, where you're actually getting some expertise when you purchase the tests and people can help walk you through it and make some custom recommendations for supplements and things like that. So as far as getting your blood tests, hopefully uh, those of you listening who are advancing through the age groups have some form of regular interactions with the medical community and are getting test results and looking through for uh, factors. But generally speaking, they don't go very far with your typical annual blood screening. And you got to kind of dig in and go deeper and request some extra tests. And fortunately, these days, uh, you don't have to navigate through the medical mainstream quagmire. You can go online and order your own blood tests. Uh, just go and you pay a reasonable fee, far less than the insurance uh, quotes for these uh, blood tests. And then you put in your zip code, you go to a local blood lab, at least I'm talking about United States here, and you can uh, get your blood drawn. And then uh, a few days later, you get a PDF with all the uh, the values and the reports. Then if you see something that's a red flag or that concerns you, perhaps you could reach out uh, in, in the opposite, opposite direction where you reach out to your physician and say, hey, I'm having fun doing my own blood tests a lot and I wanna to talk to you about something and make an appointment rather than waiting for them uh, to test you perhaps in a manner that's not as comprehensive. So I'm gonna give you some suggestions for uh, advanced blood tests, you can share these with uh, your physician if you want and ask for more stuff on the on the chart, but also some recommendations from the leading experts in progressive health scene, ancestral health scene that I follow and respect tremendously and have uh, a lot of uh, value and research and validation behind their work and how they're looking at a different story than perhaps your average physician who's going over your blood results with you and saying things like, well, your good cholesterol's this and your bad cholesterol's that. And if your physician says such a quote, uh, you're talking about someone who's 40 to 50 years behind the emerging research about cholesterol being a very poor marker in isolation for heart disease risk. In fact, a UCLA meta-study, a meta-study is a intensive study of hundreds of other studies. So when you hear the term meta-study, it comes with a lot of credibility because they're looking at uh, the hard work of many, many people. Maybe if a, a small portion of those studies are flawed, it's not gonna affect the conclusions or the observations found in a meta-study. So a meta-study from UCLA uh, that was uh, brought to my attention by Dr. Ron Sinha, host of the Meta Health Podcast, um, found that 80% of heart attack victims had LDL cholesterol levels that were considered, quote, normal. Now, a lot of those people had an artificially suppressed LDL level through the use of statins, but the takeaway is very important to realize that there is no uh, clean, <laughs> skate-free from heart disease risk factors if you have shitty lifestyle habits, pop a pill and get your cholesterol, your LDL down under blank, blank, whatever the uh, recommendation is. So we have to go much deeper here. And uh, I'm gonna mention uh, these experts that I follow who have all come to mention uh, a similar new and evolved and more refined 
find screening uh, uh, values that they that they favor. And uh, one of them is triglycerides to HDL ratio. Tri triglycerides to HDL ratio. Dr. Kate Shanahan has said this is the single best uh, marker for heart disease risk. Dr. Ron Sinha has said the same thing, that he prefers triglycerides to HDL ratio as the best marker for heart disease risk. Dr. Peter Atia goes even deeper, his tremendously detailed content, especially with one of the acknowledged cholesterol experts, Dr. Thomas Dayspring. I think there's two six-hour shows or a total of 12 hours of commentary on the topic of cholesterol and heart disease and a lot of the misconceptions and misinformation. Um, he has also mentioned uh, the importance of triglycerides to HDL ratio, as has Dr. Paul Saladino. Um, and so we're talking about people that are making this their life's work. If they happen to be uh, uh, in conflict or not lined up with your family physician, it's important to dig deeper, ask more questions, and um, perhaps recommend some books. Who knows to get uh, to get on board here? But triglycerides to HDL. Uh, triglycerides is the amount of fat circulating in your blood. And uh, you've probably heard how important this is. I don't think that's disputed by anyone that we really want to see. Uh, the general recommendation is to get triglycerides under 150. If you have high triglycerides, it's an indication that your liver is overstressed. Uh, you're producing too much insulin. It's not working well. You're developing insulin resistance and you are headed down the road to uh, heart disease, elevated heart disease risk factor due to those high triglycerides. Dr. Sinha wants to see people under 100. So forget the 150 because look, we're talking about the fattest, sickest, most diseased population in the history of humanity where heart disease has become an epidemic annual killer. And so we do not want to be normal. If you're listening to this show, you want to be superior. So triglycerides under 100. Now we have HDL where we desperately want to be HDL above 40, and ideally over 60 would be going into the, uh, the, the really thumbs up category. So now you can see where these two are meeting. So if you go to the blood lab and you deliver a result like triglyceride 78 and HDL 78, that one-to-one -one ratio is considered ideal. Uh, in contrast, it is uh, desperately recommended that you get your ratio better than 3.5 to one. That is an urgent recommendation. So if your if your HDL is uh, 50, let's say, um, we wanna be 175 to 50 as a 3.5 to one for a quick example. You desperately wanna improve that ratio, getting down near one to one or even better. Uh, my last blood result, I think the HDL was up in the 70s and the triglycerides were in the 40s or 50s. So that is better than one to one somewhere around one-to-one -one is outstanding. And if you're looking good with that ratio, uh, the experts are in agreement that your heart disease risk factor is uh, minimized, uh, even if you have an elevated LDL number, which could be from a variety of reasons. And one of them is that you have a large amount of large fluffy LDL, it's called, as opposed to small dense LDL. So there's different types of LDL with different particle sizes. Small dense LDL are the potentially problematic molecules that have the opportunity to lodge on the walls of your arteries and get started with the uh, oxidation and inflammation process that causes heart disease that we're familiar with, getting the plaque 
forming on your arteries. So small, dense LDL is the one that we want to be uh, concerned about, where large, fluffy LDL is generally harmless. And if you know a little about HDL, the widely touted good cholesterol, it's also nicknamed nature's garbage trucks because it has the ability to scavenge the bloodstream and remove and recycle and repair potentially problematic, damaged LDL molecules that uh, could be on their way to contributing to heart disease if your HDL is low. So a high HDL means you're doing a good job with your garbage trucks scavenging the blood, and a low-ish triglyceride level means that there's not too much, there's not excess uh, blood fat circulating around looking for a chance to cause trouble. So things are under control when you're at that one-to-one -one or better. So again, a quick takeaway, looking and obsessing with your total LDL number as the quote-unquote bad cholesterol is 40 to 50 years behind the emerging research. It's oversimplified, it's taken from flawed and often manipulated science, and it's time to wake up and listen to what the experts are doing. And remember, Brad Kearns is not a cholesterol expert. I'm just someone who listens to a lot of these experts, has the privilege of engaging with them for a long conversation. You can go back and listen to our conversations and many other fantastic content. For example, what I mentioned on Peter Atiyah's highly regarded Drive podcast, where there's extreme scientific rigor for who who's even invited to be a guest, and the topics and the coverage is extensive and thorough. So educate yourself if you're at all concerned with uh, someone telling you that your LDL is too high and they want to artificially suppress it with statins, like 80% of heart attack victims per the UCLA meta-study. Uh, do you remember the popular CNN anchor Tim Russert, who dropped dead ooh, probably a decade ago now of a heart attack at the tender age of 51? His total cholesterol, LDL plus HDL, his total cholesterol was reported 110 or something ridiculously low, where probably some uh, ill-advised cardiologist probably gave him a thumbs up and said, oh, wow, your numbers are even lower now. You're looking good with a total cholesterol of 110. Unfortunately, that was very likely to be an insufficient HDL. Remember, you desperately want to get your HDL above 40 and your triglycerides below 100. And then what minimal LDL that he had in his bloodstream or a lot of heart attack victims apparently uh, is potentially causing problems due to a state of oxidation and inflammation driven by adverse lifestyle practices. And we talk extensively about this in one of the early chapters of the Primal Blueprint. So it's a nice way to get a general uh, layperson's understanding view of the cholesterol uh, uh, dilemma and the cholesterol misunderstandings. Uh, so here I'm just going to point to trigs to HDL. So go look that up on your most recent blood tests and see if you can get to that one-to-one. -one. Uh, Dr. Paul Saldino makes a strong recommendation to add an obscure and rarely ordered test uh, called fasting insulin or fasting blood insulin. He thinks this test is number one, his number one favorite. And you want to look for a uh, a low, healthy fasting insulin level because we know and experts are in agreement that hyperinsulinemia, that's a chronic overproduction of insulin, is widely regarded to be the single most uh, concerning uh, widespread health problem today in uh, modern uh, Western world. Hyperinsulinemia drives 
a condition known as metabolic syndrome, which is actually a collection of risk factors, different uh, test results like uh, excess waistline, high blood pressure, uh, low HDL, high triglycerides, and metabolic syndrome is the driver of all these disease processes. Uh, Dr. Atia covers this in his book, Outlive, where when we have poor metabolic health, it's one of the major killers in modern life. And you can determine this easily by tracking your metabolic syndrome markers and the state of uh, insulin production and insulin sensitivity. That's a positive. That's a desirable insulin resistance is a negative. So when you look at this fasting insulin number, um, Saladino's favorite, rarely ordered by doctors, uh, he contends that it's urgent to get that fasting insulin number under 15. Uh, getting under five is good and getting under three is excellent. Uh, if you listen to some of Dr. Atia's shows, he talks about uh, this, uh, this molecule called APOB. This is a protein present in all LDL particles, and he uh, really favors this as a, a red flag or a predictor of your heart disease risk and whether your LDL uh, is troublesome or not. So you can go test for APOB. Um, I think Peter said he's obsessed with it, his favorite term to talk about race driving, bow and arrows, uh, uh, medical health, progressive health, longevity. So uh, that's another one that I, I will mention on this list. Um, and here's a fun one. How about testing your body composition for free? You don't even need to uh, go to the blood lab, although that's pretty darn easy and highly recommended, uh, but get a pair of tight fitting clothing and test over time to track improvements in body composition. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who's now become really popular with uh, a great book release. I think it's called Forever Young and uh, also great podcasts where she promotes this concept of muscle-centric medicine. And muscle-centric medicine is rather than focusing on uh, how much fat we're gaining over time and trying to get rid of that fat. Instead, turning the attention to focusing on the development and preservation of lean muscle mass throughout life as the number one intervention for longevity. That's a quote from Peter Atia that exercise is the single best intervention for longevity ever known. Nothing else even comes close. Um, hopefully I'm paraphrasing close enough, uh, but you know when you can get fit, and work those muscles. Muscles are glycogen sinks, quote unquote, from many experts. That means if you do have concerns about hyperinsulinemia, about high blood sugar, about poor uh, metabolic disease risk factors, and you start working your muscles, they are going to soak up that glucose in your bloodstream and make you more insulin sensitive rather than the disease pattern of insulin resistance. So uh, it's as simple as this. Any positive change in body composition is going to deliver comprehensive improvement in blood test values and metabolic disease risk factors. I also appreciate how Dr. Lane Norton, who not only is a uh, nutritional uh, scientist, biochemist uh, with a lot of training and research behind him, but a high performing power lifter and bodybuilder. So uh, you got to respect people who are walking their talk in real life rather than just spouting information uh, from their chair with the white coat on in the laboratory. And Dr. Lane Norton makes this big point too. This is if you get in shape and just get stronger and get fitter, you're going to have across the board improvement in blood values. Even if you do it by 
at any means necessary. Uh, I remember one podcast, he was talking about the guy on the Twinkie diet. This is a famous internet uh, uh, lark where someone succeeded in losing 20 pounds over six weeks or something uh, by calculating their calorie burn and eating a sufficient uh, number of Twinkies to create a deficit every day and get excess fat off their body. And all their blood work was improved. Of course, this is a short-term ridiculous strategy, but it does illustrate an important point that if somehow you can clean up your diet and eat more nutritious foods and eliminate the processed foods that interfere with metabolic function and fat burning and get out there and burn some energy doing an appropriately conducted workout pattern, you're going to improve your blood work. It doesn't have to be something that you have to stress about every day and go on these incredibly regimented diets. You just have to bust loose, bust down, Tatiana, bust down. Uh, you can't look on uh, YouTube for a Paul Saladino quick interview titled, Don't Worry About Bad Cholesterol. Uh, another great clip, a short clip from Peter Atia uh, titled, Truth About Dietary Cholesterol. We'll put those links in the show notes. I talked about the UCLA Meta Study. Um, I talked about if someone is telling you that they're concerned about your high LDL level, then you would want to test for particle size. So you can test and break it down further. Um, ask your doctor about a particle size test. If you're in this boat where someone's telling you to take statins, then you will get a report and determine the ratio of large fluffy LDL to small dense LDL, uh, and then compare and contrast that with your TRIGS to HDL ratio and uh, determine whether you're even at risk at all. Um, Dr. Sinha's podcast, the Meta Health Podcast, he does a great job uh, breaking down some of these topics and trying to simplify them uh, for the general audience with uh, brief shows where he's just walking you through this, uh, perhaps superior to the way that I'm uh, breezing through this. But I think you're getting the point that we need to look bigger than the uh, template recommendations and talking points that well-meaning people are, are trying their hardest to, to deal with this uh, metabolic health problem. But some of the info is 40 to 50 years old. Okay. So now, if you're an OG in the advanced age groups, I'm going to talk about a, a succession of important tests that you might want to consider adding to your docket and tracking these things over time. And the first one I'm going to start with, which I believe is the most important for me, and especially for anyone who considers themselves to be in pretty decent metabolic health, pretty decent body composition, pretty decent fitness, not in this high risk category where we're going to have to be going and, and tracking a bunch of other things and trying to um, avoid uh, getting put on prescription medication. And that is the sex hormone panels. So I believe testosterone status is a proxy for overall general health status. If you have good testosterone, that suggests that you have good metabolic health. Remember muscle-centric medicine. If you build muscle and lose fat, you're going to improve your testosterone level dramatically. Same with increasing your fitness, minimizing your stress, optimizing your sleep. All these things are revealed in the preeminent uh, male hormone for vitality. Uh, oftentimes we narrowly consider testosterone to be uh, aggression and libido, but testosterone as uh, Ashley Merriman talked about in detail on our podcast interview several years ago, uh, she calls it the social status hormone. So testosterone fosters devotion, motivation, discipline, competitive intensity to be the best that you can be 
in any area that you direct your competitive aspirations towards. So it's not just lifting heavier weights in the gym or kicking someone's ass in a boxing match or uh, giving someone the finger in traffic because you're so hyped up and have too much testosterone. In fact, as John Gray mentions in many of our shows, someone who has dysregulated temper and dysregulated emotions is likely suffering from low T, the opposite of what we uh, blather with um, sound bites. So testosterone is extremely important for overall human health of course, for the female too, even though the female level is 20 times less than the male, the female needs an appropriate level of testosterone, especially through aging. Otherwise, things are going to be compromised like libido, focus, uh, all those kind of things. So uh, because I have such high regard for tracking my sex hormone panels, I have tested oof, about 25 times, I'd say, over the past four years. I have all the tracking and noticing uh, the things that cause uh, blips in testosterone, trying to peg myself way up there at the highest range rather than being in the normal or the medium. As I talked about before, we're comparing against an absolutely pathetic general population. So when it comes to sex hormone panels, you wanna be up there pushing the top of the charts. And I laugh because I remember um, congratulating myself doing some social media posts when I got one of my highest testosterone readings. The serum testosterone was over a thousand. So I'm showing the results saying, yep, a thousand and eight, feeling great at age 58. That's in the 99th percentile. Clap on the back, another pat on the back. And then realizing that anything below, let's say, the 85th to 90th or whatever percentile is pretty much pathetic because the comparison is so disastrous. As I track these test results, uh, the range in serum T has been quite significant over the uh, over the tests and all the way down to, I think my lowest was 563. So my testosterone has ranged from 563 to 1008. I'd say the average or the... Um, uh, the median's probably 750 to 800, right? But it bounces around a lot. And I contend that the main variable for me personally is the stress load of my training. So if I'm tiptoeing into the direction of overtraining, I will see that dip in testosterone of 100 or 200 or 300 points and then know how to bring it back up nicely with that nutrient-dense diet, that sensible training, and especially uh, optimizing, prioritizing my sleep. So when I say that I've tested 25 times over the past four years, what I'm doing is going online. One of my favorite resources is ultralabtest.com where you just go and cash pay for a male hormone paddle, uh, panel and they're testing serum testosterone. That's the total that we hear the numbers uh, bantered about frequently, but also important to test for free testosterone. That's the amount of testosterone that is circulating and available to act upon target organs. So there are rare occasions where you can have a healthy or a high serum testosterone, but it's not being used optimally as evidenced by a low free testosterone reading. Now, you might hear some people uh, making a quick comment like, uh, free testosterone is the important one because that's the one that's uh, free and acting, and so focus on that. But it's not that simple because there are certain variables where you really want to evaluate both of them. And perhaps, as Dr. Tommy Wood told me a long time ago, perhaps uh, uh, prioritize your serum testosterone readings rather than your free T. For one, free T is measured in pictograms 
ooh, let's Google that. Is it a millionth of a gram or something like that? It's an incredibly small amount. So it's a very difficult test to read and has potential margin of error because we're talking about such nuance. Um, I've noticed my free tea uh, very wildly as well to at certain times, I contend again to overtraining. This was uh, years ago where I didn't have myself dialed and I was engaging still in endurance training. Uh, I had some lower, really low free tea where I had to turn things around and in a short time I bumped up to uh, the high end of the normal range rather than outside of the normal range a couple times due to that exhausting nature and that hormone suppressing nature of endurance training. So we want to look at free tea for sure, but we don't want to obsess on it to the extent, to the exception of serum tea. And we also want to look at this uh, number called sex hormone binding globulin. And that indicates kind of how much free tea, how much testosterone is being carried, uh, is being bound by sex hormone binding globulin. Now, uh, some people will say that if you can lower your SHBG, you will raise your free T, and that's a good thing. But there's also confusing or potentially confusing research that people with low sex hormone binding globulin are uh, unhealthy and a weak and emaciated uh, elderly people. So we don't want to obsess that lower SHBG is always better, and uh, that will always contribute to a, a boost in free T. Um, we want to also have a, a healthy level of sex hormone binding globulin. And in my case, because some of my serum numbers are so high, I also uh, reveal a high sex hormone binding globulin level uh, as well as a healthy free T level. So I'm not at all worried about having what is called high, even outside of the normal range of sex hormone binding globulin. My body's just doing its work to make a lot of testosterone in the Leydig cells of the testes, release it into the bloodstream uh, with a, a nice high serum level showing that I am uh, delaying the aging process and using what's appropriate and necessary uh, by having some circulating free tea. So uh, don't get pigeonholed into black and white thinking when it comes to these big three important readings to track. Serum testosterone or total testosterone, free testosterone, and sex hormone binding globulin. And now we'll take a breath, take a drink of water, and go down to talk about a bunch more important blood tests. Next, I want to discuss vitamin D. This is a critically important hormone. That's right. It's not a vitamin. It's actually technically uh, considered a hormone. And it's really important for uh, hormone manufacturing, including the sex hormones. And it's also important for cancer protection because it controls or it influences this important gene called P53, which is nicknamed the spell checker gene because this gene goes through and makes sure that cell division happens appropriately and tries to control against uh, unregulated or inappropriate cell division, which is another term for uh, cancer cells growing in your body. So you want to have a healthy vitamin D status for cancer prevention, especially the reproductive cancers. And there are stats showing that people of African-American descent, uh, due to their darker skin and more difficulty making vitamin D from the sunlight, which is the main source of vitamin D, 
uh, have extremely increased risk of reproductive cancers, both male and female. So vitamin D is a huge thing. And unfortunately, um, it, it contrasts with this widespread fear of the sun today that is driven by uh, perhaps the dermatology community or the sunscreen making community where we are obsessed with covering up every morsel of our skin in the hopes that we won't contract skin cancer. Um, these risks are overblown, according to many vitamin D experts. Uh, Dr. Michael Holick, author of The Vitamin D Solution, uh, Dr. Mercola, his popular website, talks about this a lot, how the, uh, the, the, the form of uh, cancer that's the most skin cancer that's the most dangerous is melanoma. Melanoma is often fatal. It's a real deal where carcinoma is the stuff that they scrape off or burn off. Uh, basal cell carcinoma, a popular one, a common one. And this kind of stuff is vastly less concerning to your mortality than the very serious melanoma. And one of the highest risk factors for melanoma is low vitamin D levels. Also interesting to note that most melanomas occur in areas where the sun don't shine, as opposed to the carcinomas that occur on the back of your hand, on your nose, on your ears, on the places that get too much sun exposure. So to piece this together and try not to piss off dermatologists, I'm going to recommend that you obtain su sufficient sun exposure to maintain a slight tan. And you never, ever, ever want to burn. A single burn incident in your teenage years is enough to significantly increase your risk of melanoma in the ensuing decades. So burning, very, very, very bad deal. Do whatever you can to avoid burning. Most uh, priority is to cover up with clothing vastly superior to many sunscreens that contain toxic chemicals in there. Um, Saladino's done some good shows on this, but for sure, don't overexpose. Now, when it comes to um, your face, the back of your hands, your ears, like I said, they have a high potential to get overexposed. So go ahead and cover those up and screen those up every single day if you want to, especially if you live in Hawaii or Southern California or places where you're going to get a lot of natural sun exposure, your face is not a critical component of making vitamin D. And so you want to keep your skin wrinkle-free and avoid sun damage, that's fine. You can cover that face all you want, but just make an effort to expose the large skin surface areas of your body to direct sunlight at the times of day and times of year of peak solar intensity in your area, such that you can obtain a slight tan over as much of your body as possible. And that is the best way to produce vitamin D. Hey man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat. So it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting edge protocol where a handheld device sends low intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, 
We know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary band-aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gainswave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainsWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. A 20-minute session, good sunbathing session with the large skin surface areas exposed and uh, going toward a little tan is going to make 10,000 IU of vitamin D. Um, you'll note from uh, the, the charts on your diet, a glass of milk has 100. Um, the best food, the oily cold water fish, uh, a huge serving will only have 1,000. And then you can take the supplements where a lot of them come in uh, 1,000 IU or 2,000 IU. But sun exposure is by far the best way to obtain healthy vitamin D status. Now, here's the other kicker with the uh, vitamin D controversy as detailed in Dr. Holick's book. I believe he was uh, in charge of the um, dermatology division at Harvard, and he was kicked out because his views were so controversial and so counter to mainstream. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who spent his life's work uh, promoting the importance of vitamin D status. Um, if you go to the blood test now uh, to to mainstream medicine and look at your number, I believe it is the number 30 nanograms per milliliter is uh, saying that you are normal. So anything above 30 is quote unquote normal. However, as Dr. Holick details, um, Chris Kresser does a lot of good content on this about vitamin D status. Uh, Dr. Phil Maffetone also advocates for a much higher vitamin D level to be considered healthy or optimal. So um, these guys want you over 50. Dr. Maffetone said he wanted to see me over 75 when I proudly reported my 55 vitamin D. So getting that vitamin D up there is super important for cancer protection. And I want to weigh that carefully against a widespread and irrational fear of all sun in the name of protecting yourself from cancer. Carcinoma, yeah, don't get it. Cover your face. Buy one of those nice safari hats. Um, wear long sleeves if you're going to be out in the sun for a long time. But take that opportunity for the first 15 or 20 minutes at the beach to get that tan going, then cover up. Okay, that's enough about vitamin D, but you want to strive for 50 and perhaps up to 80 for ideal status to prevent cancer. Um, now here's some uh, blood oxygen tests that are super important. Hemoglobin, hematocrit, iron, and you're, what you're looking at is blood viscosity. You might be familiar with hematocrit if you're an athlete because this is what the endurance athletes dope to increase. That's the percentage of red blood cells uh, circulating in your bloodstream. And when you take the drug EPO, erythropoietin, 
Uh, it has been determined to be the single best performance enhancer for endurance athletes by far. Uh, it came into be in the 90s. Uh, first, a bunch of cyclists died because their blood got too thick. They didn't know how to use the drug. And now, even today, um, it represents um, kind of a, um, uh, it, it, it's, it's transcended the, um, uh, the, the sport, the endurance sports to the extent that if there's someone uh, getting an advantage through EPO, uh, it's going to it's going to ruin the level playing field because it's been confirmed that the advantage is at least 6%, at least a 6% advantage in your endurance performance. So let's calculate that on a two-hour marathon, 120 minutes, 5% is six minutes. So you're saving six minutes if you're a world-class marathoner. That's the difference between gold medal and uh, 17th. So it's a massive, massive difference. That's why everyone in the Tour de France was doped off their ass for a good part of two decades before they made uh, perfunctory attempts to clean up and hopefully are doing better today. But it's a game changer for endurance athletes to get that hematocrit higher than normal, which might be considered for a male 42 to 45, a female a little lower, maybe um, um, 38 to 42 would be the normal range for hematocrit percentage of red blood cells. Um, so that's an interesting side note. But when you're looking at your blood viscosity as an average person, there are some concerns now, which were uh, explained uh, wonderfully in detail by Mike Mutzel at his High Intensity Health uh, YouTube channel, which is a fantastic resource for really rigorous scientific presentation of recent studies and health and uh, peak performance tips. Mike himself was a competitive cyclist. He's been on my show for a great conversation. So uh, check him out on this topic. We'll put the link to um, the video that he made on the subject of blood viscosity. But the deal is, if your blood is really thick, it can be a big, huge red flag warning sign for uh, poor health and elevated disease risk factors. So the endurance athletes are getting their blood thicker, more red blood cells, and they're going faster on the race course. But for the average person to get up there with a the hematocrit up to around 50 rather than the normal for males 42 to 45, it could be big trouble. And the recommendation is to immediately go give blood. Same with high iron is a, a strong indicator of adverse health consequences and elevated disease risk factors. So anything outside of the normal with hemoglobin, hematocrit, iron, and if there's a blood viscosity reading or something described as that, we want to be careful there and not uh, make the, um, the my initial uh, flawed interpretation when I was uh, looking at my friend's blood test and his hematocrit was 50. It was like, wow, you're like a Tour de France athlete. Naturally, that's amazing. But I didn't realize the uh, adverse impact of having uh, high blood viscosity. Um, Mike Mutzel's uh, report on the subject, he says eight of his 10 male clients show markers of high blood viscosity. That would be a high hematocrit going up in the high 40s or 50, whatever. And he contends and cites research that this is worse than high cholesterol. Donate blood immediately and regularly if you fall into the high range. Okay, so that's about blood viscosity. We got the sex hormone panels. We got the vitamin D. Now, of course, we're going to be looking at uh, fasting glucose and HbA1c levels. Hemoglobin A1c, also written as HbA1c, is a reading of your uh, average uh, glucose levels over time. So they're trying to predict what your blood sugar's been like uh, for the previous six weeks and throw up a guess that um, your blood glucose uh, has been in the 120s if you have an HbA1c 
over the uh, the danger zone of 6.0 or 5.5. A lot of physicians like to see it 5.5 or below. So hand in hand, you're looking at fasting glucose and HbA1c for a bigger picture. But now, fortunately, with the wonderful advancements in technology, we can do much, much better than those than the guess of HbA1c and then the snapshot single moment in time for that fasting blood glucose test that you did when you showed up at the doctor's office. And that is through the use of a continuous glucose monitor, such as offered by the great company NutriSense, where not only they send you the technology and you put the little patch on your arm and zap it with your smartphone and get a 24-7 reading of blood glucose as long as you zap it every eight hours or so. Uh, and there's beautiful charts and averages and calculations for your standard deviations and all these important things. And you also get expert support on their chat. So the uh, very well-trained dietitian can give you some perspective about why your blood glucose spiked up to 170 at your workout and then came down to 98 and then back up to 142 when you sat down for a meal and whether that's something to be concerned about or not. And uh, I'm loving to see uh, the, the popularity of uh, NutriSense and uh, Levels. Uh, that's another company that does the same thing. Dr. Casey Means, one of the principals, was on my podcast. Uh, but there's also a lot of misinterpretation of people who are jumping in here, the biohacker types, getting that uh, zapper on their arm, and then thinking that the, the goal is a flat line of glucose at 100 all day long, 24-7. And it's nothing of the sort. We're looking at a much more nuanced and complex view of healthy blood glucose. So one of them is a reasonable fasting level, obviously. And you've often heard of the um, the benchmark of 100 or below to indicate healthy fasting glucose. Uh, we also want to look at tight glucose regulation. So when it does spike in response to a workout, an argument, or a meal, it will spike back down. It will drop back down to uh, near your baseline level and that your baseline is in a tight range. And overall, your blood glucose is uh, tightly regulated such that your standard deviation is low. So when it does spike, for example, at a meal, we wanna see a spike no higher than 140 and then back to 100 quickly within two hours rather than having it spike sky high in a meal, having it stay high and then stair step down over three hours or four hours those are signs of poor metabolic health. So you can get so much information from doing even a single two-week journey with a NutriSense or a Levels monitor and um, uh, go from there if you find out that uh, some of your reports are adverse, then you're gonna probably wanna go uh, get professional medical help and clean up your diet. And amazingly, I talked about the metabolic syndrome markers and other uh, adverse blood values. In a few weeks, weeks, not months, not years, but in a few weeks, of cleaning up your diet, you can decimate these concerns, these high values in that short of a time. So if you have four of the five metabolic syndrome disease risk markers at your latest blood test, in a few weeks, you can correct, uh, you can correct four of them. The fifth one is um, expanded waistline where your waistline's um, beyond a safe or recommended level, that might take a few months, right? To lose a few inches off your waist. And a quick one there, uh, Dr. Maffetone and Dr. Ron Sinha both uh, promote this um, really simple calculation of waist to height ratio. And we want our waist to be um, less, than, uh, less than half our height. Uh, or put otherwise, um, double your waist is going to be less than your height. So if you're 
uh, uh, waist is 35 and you are five foot 10 inches tall, that's 70 inches, you are right there on the border line for adverse waist to height ratio, which Dr. Maffetone classifies as being over fat. Not necessarily overweight or obese. You might even look okay in clothing, but if you have that expanded waistline, that accumulation of visceral fat in the abdominal area, that's going to give you a, a wider waistline. That is an indication of poor metabolic health. So you have that waist to height ratio to calculate and want to get that under half. So uh, well under half, of course, would be better. So someone who's 5'10", um, getting that waist down to uh, 30, right? That's well under um, double. 30, 30 plus 30 is 60. The height is 70, looking good. But a 35-inch waist on a 5'10 person or, um, you know, ca calculate otherwise, if you're talking about a smaller female who's um, 66 inches tall, 5'6", um, you do not want to exceed 33 with the waist. Um, but these things can turn around really quickly. Okay, so we have the... Um, uh, uh, the glucose markers I mentioned. And then, uh, of course, we're going to uh, look at that uh, PSA, prostate standard antigen. You want those numbers really low. You can reference the, 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 the ranges uh, revealed on the blood chart. I think under one or under three is when the, um, uh, the, the um, a urologist is going to say that you're, you're looking really good. Um, they also widespread recommendation to get a colonoscopy every 10 years, starting at age 50, or every five years uh, if a polyp is found. Um, that seems to be pretty reasonable for a healthy, uh, energetic people who don't have a high risk of such a procedure. Um, but as Dr. Doug McGuff uh, and, and Robert Murphy point out in the book, The Primal Prescription, some of these uh, widely uh, um, practiced uh, screenings sometimes have a risk-reward ratio that you might want to consider. And when someone is 90 years old, you probably don't need to go give them a colonoscopy due to the risk of complications and so forth, weighing out versus the, uh, the potential benefit of finding um, you know, some, some screening and something where a surgery would be recommended that might be too harsh for someone who's 90 years old anyway. Okay. And there's also some concerns about false positives. And Dr. McGuff cites some really interesting research in his book where um, false positives on the mammogram cause a, uh, a disturbance to female health for up to six months after they've been corrected. In other words, someone gets the uh, diagnosis that they have cancer, then they go, oops, sorry, uh, with further testing, we realize we were wrong. But the stress and the, uh, the, you know, the emotional response lingers for a long time. It's, it's devastating to the person and completely unnecessary when we're talking about um, imperfect test results. So keep everything with a grain of salt, but I'm certainly in favor of going and getting uh, whatever screens possible, especially when you have risk factors. That's why I've done some extensive work uh, in the cardiovascular area to perform further tests than would typically be offered to someone who seems healthy and active and athletic their whole lives. Uh, because as many physicians are not aware, especially the ones that denied my request to get this, these tests paid for, um, long-time endurance athletes are high risk for cardiovascular disease patterns, especially atrial fibrillation and other conditions associated with long-term repeated scarring and inflammation of the heart from overly stressful training programs. So I pretty much demanded 
uh, to perform at what's called a stress EKG test. So you're familiar with EKG where they put the wires on your chest and they uh, watch your heartbeats and look at that. And a stress EKG is essentially an EKG performed while the heart is under stress. So I got on the treadmill in the cardiologist's office, got all wired up and ran my butt off as they kept upping the incline. And uh, the technician said, okay, you're done now. I go, no, 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 keep it going. I wanna go all out to my absolute maximum and see my heart performing when my heartbeat is up at 190 beats per minute. Because sometimes uh, a healthy looking heart at rest can respond in a quirky manner when you're performing a stress EKG test, especially for an athlete, and then you wanna go and perform other tests. And another recommended test, especially for people in the high-risk category for heart disease, and surprisingly so, that means the, the six-pack, super-fit, healthy, healthy guys that have been going for years and years slamming that heart, another recommended test is the coronary artery calcium scan also known as a calcium scan, also known as an Agatsit scan, named after uh, Arthur Agatson, who invented uh, the scoreboard and also wrote the South Beach Diet. Pretty funny. Uh, but I went looking for this test and I had an extremely hard time navigating mainstream medical world. Uh, no one would approve it. I didn't even know where to get it. I had to make several calls around town and finally found uh, a place called a heart center where they did this advanced imaging. I had to pay cash. It was 300 bucks. Go in there and lay in the tube like uh, you're familiar with for the CAT scan and get my uh, internal uh, arteries and heart scan for calcium deposits. And you're going for a low score, which means a low accumulation of calcium plaque on the walls of the arteries. But interestingly so, if you're a high-performing long-time endurance athlete and you get an elevated score, uh, it's probably, uh, be, if you're still healthy, it's likely that the, the uh, plaque has calcified and it's not an immediate danger. And what you want to do for the rest of your life is just screen uh, more frequently and try to keep that number at bay. So if you go in there and your score is 400 or 300 or something that's uh, potentially concerning, what your goal is from that point on, because you're not going to reverse it. Um, you're going to try to keep it at 300 or 310 five years later and 320 10 years later, that kind of thing. Okay, that's the coronary artery calcium scan. That's definitely an optional add-on for high-performing long-time endurance athletes that might have some concerns. Same with the stress EKG test. Um, uh, now, uh, blood pressure, simple one. You can go buy your own blood pressure machine on Amazon right now. Um, this is a really good window to the uh, state of health in the cardiovascular system and hypertension, anything over 120 over 80 on either side of the systolic and the diastolic. So if one of those numbers is high or both, you are talking about an overly stressed, uh, suboptimal functioning of the cardiovascular system. High blood pressure increases the risk of heart attacks, strokes, aneurysms, kidney failure, and the cause, of course, they're widespread. We hear about smoking. We hear about uh, diet high in processed foods. We hear about uh, lack of activity. Excess activity can also be a risk factor. Um, the, the seed oils and the insulin resistance drivers can also uh, uh, over there uh, affect the uh, cardiovascular function as well. So something to uh, track regularly. You might've heard of white lab coat syndrome where someone who goes in for a checkup all of a sudden shows high blood pressure and it's simply because they're nervous at the doctor's office and that's when you wanna get your own unit and perhaps test yourself five times a day for the next few weeks and see what uh, really uh, your cardiovascular system is doing in general routine everyday life. Now, 
Um, just to summarize, you want to get, of course, the uh, complete blood count and the normal routine panels that come from a blood tests. And I would also say pretty much mandatory for any uh, aging peak performer is to track those sex hormones uh, frequently, more frequently than anything else, really, and for the rest of your life, because that's your vitality. And then we can do a whole nother show on the topic, the very popular topic now of testosterone replacement, hormone replacement therapy. Uh, when it comes that time, when you're doing everything you can and checking all the boxes with your lifestyle, your sleep, your diet, your exercise, and you're seeing this adverse uh, decline in uh, sex hormone panels, then you can consider uh, the possibility of a really closely supervised and uh, highly expert dispensed testosterone replacement therapy. I've talked about this topic uh, on other interviews and uh, Brad shows, and my, um, my, my staunch philosophy right now is I want to live as clean and uh, undisturbed lifestyle as possible. So I try to stay away from any and all prescription drugs and even things like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories unless I absolutely need them. Um, it's not an easy way to go. It's not the easiest way to go, but I contend that overall, um, I do better and have better health status than if I had a uh, medicine cabinet full of prescription drugs, sometimes uh, ones coming up for need because of the use of other ones, right? Um, so things like uh, getting uh, the global pandemic illness and being laid out for nine days, uh, I wanted to absorb and endure that and then get up and go about my life rather than arguably or potentially prolonging certain conditions when you take something to relieve the pain. Even a mild fever is the body's desirable immune response to try to kill the bug that's circulating. And if you suppress it with uh, something that's going to lower temperature, it's just going to make the body harder to uh, naturally heal. So that's my position. And when it comes to sex hormones, there's one thing that's uh, concerning about testosterone replacement is that the experts say that once you choose to go to the dark side and start getting exogenous forms of testosterone rather than relying on what your body makes, once you choose that route, you're pretty much committed for the rest of your life to become reliant upon the needle and kind of transitioning away from uh, being, uh, being, being natural in that sense. Now, the counter argument is, hey, you know, we're cavemen. We're only evolved to live, uh, to reproduce. That's our main function. And then we might as well die. And so this process of aging that we see today um, is completely unnatural. And you know we're, we're fighting against something that uh, is inevitable. And if there's any way that we can fight this battle and enjoy more energy, vitality, libido, peak performance uh, for more decades, hey, I know, sign me up. And I strongly support that um, that attitude. And when that day comes, and we'll be checking in on this on the podcast every five years or so, when that day comes, when it's time for me to turn to whatever prescription drugs are available to help me overcome things that I just can't seem to correct with uh, you know, beautiful and uh, optimal lifestyle practices, I'm not going to be against it at all. But I think it's super, super important before you consider anything remotely associated with uh, hormone replacement or outside intervention that you are checking every single one of those boxes with great devotion. And boy, this can be proven when you go on hormone replacement therapy 
but you are unhealthy and inflamed as evidenced by having that spare tire and not qualifying with the waist to height ratio, guess what's likely to happen with the extra testosterone that's coming into your bloodstream? That's right. It's going to be aromatized. And aromatization is the term for the conversion of testosterone into estrogen because your body is in an inflammatory state. So those who stand to benefit from testosterone replacement therapy are dudes who are already in pretty good physical condition and just want to get a little performance edge. And you've heard Mark Sisson and I talk about his, uh, he, he's a big fan of hormone replacement. He's been doing so for about 10 years. Mark Bell has been on the juice for about 20 years. And if you listen to Power Project podcast, the topic will come up frequently where he says, hey man, <laughs> I think steroids are awesome. He's talking about liver king or whatever hot topic of the day. And um, he's pretty open and honest about it. It works for him. He's an incredible athlete. And the commonly cited downsides from uh, dispense for years and decades that if you uh, take testosterone, you're going to get cancer, you're going to increase your risk of cancer, have now been uh, pretty well refuted. It is true that if you are baking a cancer already, so if you're someone that already has uh, prostate cancer diagnosed, that taking testosterone might possibly increase the rate of growth of cancer cells because you're taking growth factors into your bloodstream. Same with growth hormone, right? Um, so that's a risk to be aware of if you're already having cancer. But man, uh, there's emerging research. I got into this uh, when my father was in the later stages of prostate cancer in his late 90s. And um, something popped up from his alma mater, Johns Hopkins University, where they dosed dudes with advanced prostate cancer with high levels of testosterone, the absolute opposite that we've been told for years and decades what to do with someone who's suffering from, from prostate cancer, especially. They dosed these guys with juice and their conditions actually improved. So it was granted an experimental process with a few uh, subjects only. So you can't make sweeping conclusions. But the idea here and Sisson's idea with going on hormone replacement and acknowledging the risk reward factor is that if you can maintain your strength, your energy, your vitality for years and decades through the help of hormone replacement, perhaps you will fight off the decline that can be a, a large driver of cancer. Again, it's back to this muscle-centric medicine from Dr. Lyon and Dr. Atia and Lane Norton saying, if you can stay strong and healthy and explosive and energetic, you are going to fight that battle of aging royally, including perhaps withstanding some of the uh, consequences that cause breakdown, for example, insulin resistance and things where you become more susceptible to cancer. So that's pretty heavy insight pretty heavy takeaway. Um, that goes back to my emphasis on sex hormone panels. And if you got a problem with those sex hormone panels, it is time for massive, massive intervention with experts uh, looking at your diet, looking at your stress levels, maybe getting into meditation as Dave Rossi recommends for comprehensive hormonal and metabolic benefits and all the great research that's out there for that. Oh, and finally, closing off this nice lengthy show, so all you need to know about blood test recommendations. Um, if you're not feeling well, you feel like something's nagging, bringing you down, you're not recovering, you got afternoon blues, brain fog, whatever the symptoms are, that's when you want to go exploring down some of the rabbit holes that can get potentially expensive. 
But if it's that important to you, maybe it's worth engaging with a functional medicine specialist. I had Dr. Janine Krauss on the show for some interesting podcasts. One of them, she was talking about acupuncture, but she's also deep into functional medicine and recommending appropriate supplements for things like uh, gut dysbiosis or uh, leaky gut syndrome. And I had some problems with my digestive system uh, recently, uh, possibly due to after effects of suffering from a global pandemic illness. And she gave me some supplements and it feels like it helped and I recovered. And so, yeah, it's a little weird to spend $78 on a bottle of pills, but if your gut is blowing up and you don't feel right, um, it's time to take some uh, take some action. And one of them is to get these advanced blood tests. So um, comprehensive thyroid panels would be an excellent recommendation and not just the simple uh, basic numbers that they show on a regular blood test, but going deeper and getting things like reverse T3 and all the things that L. Russ talks about in detail in her book, Paleo Thyroid Solution, and also on her podcast. She also has a thyroid course. So if you have some thyroid concerns, oh my gosh, educate yourself further because it goes so much more nuanced than the typical approach. Um, you can also test for inflammatory markers, which might be the sign of acute illness, things like HSCRP, that's high sensitivity C-reactive protein. There's another one called creatine phosphokinase, CPK, homocysteine, interleukin-6, and LP2A. So these uh, weird uh, uh, numbers, uh, weird uh, titles that you can write down and you go in there and something looks off. That's an indication of something uh, disturbing your natural healthy inflammatory balance. And that is a bad deal. Uh, I know an elite uh, national caliber uh, collegiate division one athlete, and he had a rough season. He was exhausted probably from uh, an incredible high school career as an MVP in two sports and then traveling around and competing at the highest level. And he had an elevated HSCRP, which was a window into uh, something that was dysregulated with his, his, uh, his body and his metabolic function to where he had to miss a season and try to get healthy. And um, I don't even know if they finally identified what was wrong with this incredibly high-performing athlete, but he just needed a lot of rest. And uh, that high HSCRP number, um, which should be, uh, is it under one or under three or something low? And his was 28 or 48 or something ridiculous. So it's worth performing these tests if you're feeling lousy. And then it's time to zero in and address the problem. There's a whole bunch of other ones written down um, in our book, The Primal Blueprint 90-Day Journal, things like DHT, LH, FSH, those are the um, allutinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, estradiol, also known as E2, DHEA, which is a precursor to sex hormone production. So you wanna track that DHEA. Um, and perhaps take it as a supplement in small amounts. If your DHEA is low, it might give you a boost in sex hormone production. Um, Insulin-like growth factor one is something that can be tracked as well. Um, and you know, really, I think going toward functional medicine and an expert when you're talking about these advanced blood tests and whether they're relevant or have value to you would be the best way to go. Um, but to summarize this whole show, triglycerides to HDL, vastly superior marker of metabolic and heart disease risk factors than the uh, obsession with LDL, which is decades old now. Fasting insulin per Saladino, APOB per Peter Atia, tracking your body composition per Dr. Gabrielle Lyon and Dr. Lane Norton. Simple. How can you get more simple than that? Um, then we go down to the sex hormone panels per Brad Kearns. Go and test there frequently. They know my name at the blood lab. I go there so much. I ride my bike. It's two miles away. Hey, how's it going? Take some more vials out. Go home. Look at the PDF. 
chart it, track it, see what I'm doing with my training. Um, you can't beat that for $68 on ultralabtest.com for male hormone panel. Vitamin D, we want to get over 50, not over 30. That's not uh, appropriate. It's not. No it's normal, but it's not appropriate. Um, we want to test for that blood viscosity and make sure you're not on the high scale that up there with the hematocrit inching up toward 50. We want to check that uh, glucose uh, regulation, ideally with a a CGM, continuous glucose monitor, but at the very least, testing fasting glucose and HbA1c. We want to track our PSA and keep that number low. Otherwise, we got to go see the urologist. Colonoscopy every 10 years. If you're a high-performing, long-time endurance athlete, go get yourself a calcium scan as well as perhaps a stress EKG test. Check your blood pressure as a nice, simple tracker for the health of your cardiovascular system and then going into some more advanced blood tests if necessary. And that is a wrap. Good luck. And hey, uh, uh, email in and let me know uh, how your sex hormone panels looked and uh, if any of the other tests were uh, something that hit home and something that you pursued. And I'd love to share, especially on a Q&A show. Thanks for listening, watching. Podcast at bradventures.com is how you connect with us. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near infrared for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The the benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right, get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period. 
and a special 5% discount for B-Rad podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Thank you so much for listening to the B-Rad podcast. We appreciate all feedback and suggestions. Email podcast at bradventures.com and visit bradkerns.com to download five free ebooks and learn some great long cuts to a longer life, how to optimize testosterone naturally, become a dark chocolate connoisseur, and transition to a barefoot and minimalist shoe lifestyle.